You're listening to the Inglewood College Podcast. Inglewood College is a ministry of Inglewood Baptist Church in Jackson, Tennessee. We believe that just because this season is temporary doesn't mean it can't be deeply transformative. Love God. Love people. Serve the world. We continue our series uh, called The Shepherd. So we've started this at the beginning of the semester. We're in Psalm 23, and we're walking through just a little bit at a time. One verse every night uh, that, we, that we meet. And tonight, actually, we're not even doing a whole verse because we covered some of the, this verse last week. But tonight, we're talking about most of verse 3 in Psalm 23. So feel free to open up to that. It's also going to be on the screen. And uh, I'm just going to read this short sentence that we're looking at tonight. It says, He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And I've personally grown to really love this verse. It's become a regular part of my prayers. Uh, You know, I'll catch myself all the time praying as part of my prayers, just, Father, lead me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. And so it's kind of become something to me, and, um, you know, it's the one phrase. There's a lot of phrases in the psalm that could stand out to you. That's, That's the one probably that stands out to me most. And so this kind of means something to me to open up this and talk about this tonight. That phrase itself, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, probably would stand out to you for some reasons as well. You know, I think all of us want to know God's will for our life. We would like to know how God is going to lead us or where he intends to lead us, how he intends to lead us. What are these paths of righteousness that God has for me to walk in? Because we know that we hear at least, you know, that God has a will for our lives. He has a plan and purpose for all these things, and we want to know where it is that he's leading us. And I think that we all have this sort of innate desire to be led. Even if uh, we don't really recognize that or, or don't really notice that, some of us like to uh, charge hard. We like to be the leaders of things. We don't like other people telling us what to do. But I think built into us, in this image of God, made to relate to God, we have this desire within us to be led. We want to be led by the Lord. I really think we want to, and there's this pull toward that, but how are we going to know where it is that he's trying to lead us, and uh, how does he lead us? How am I going to know um, when he's leading? You know, all these are valid questions, and tonight's message is going to center around three questions, okay? So the message is going to be around these three questions. How does he lead me? Where does he lead me? Why does he lead me? So how does he lead me? Where does he lead me? Why does he lead me? So we're going to start with that first one, how does he lead me? Well, it's worth saying at the outset that he does lead. He does lead us even when we don't recognize that he's doing it. David in this psalm isn't asking God to lead. So when I say my prayers and I'm saying, Father, lead me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake, I'm asking him to lead me in paths of righteousness. But that's not what David's saying in the psalm. He's saying he does lead me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. We don't have to wonder whether or not the shepherd wants to lead us or whether or not the shepherd is going to lead us or has any paths for us to walk in, he does. So how does he do it? There's a few ways that he does that, okay? For one, the, probably the biggest one, the one we're going to focus on the most is with his word. I don't know about you, but you probably, if you've grown up in church, I'm sure you've heard all your life that you should read the Bible more. You know, you probably hear that. It's, it's the application point of tons of sermons. You should spend more time in the word. You should have a daily quiet time and all that stuff. And maybe... You know, that's become such old news to you that you've heard it so many times that it just sort of like falls by the wayside. You're like, I know that's something I should do, but I don't really want to do it. Or I know that's something I should do, but I don't really have time to do that. Or I know that's something I should do. I try to make time for it sometimes. They're not very good about it. You know that you should read your Bible. 
you know that you should meditate on the scriptures. You know, too, that you should probably memorize some scriptures to have it in, in your heart and in your mind as you go throughout your day. You know those things. You know those things are true, but it's something that a lot of us, if we're being honest, aren't willing to give time to every day. And we struggle to do that. And I don't want to sound harsh in any way, but, you know, why would we have such access to his word today if he didn't want us to saturate our lives with it? You think about this, like the, the Old Testament, uh, the people in the Old Testament who had faith in the Lord and the people in the New Testament who had faith before the New Testament was compiled, all they had was the Old Testament, and they were listening to the apostles' teaching. And a lot of times they'd have to come to church uh, or a, a gathering of believers in order to hear any of the word. Okay, so they had to come to, to a gathering of people and, and have somebody preach the word to them or read it to them, and they were forced to take it in and meditate on it throughout the day. They had to carry it with them as they went. They didn't have it on their phones. They didn't have apps that would read scriptures to them. They didn't have five Bibles on the shelf at home. You know, but we have this like glut of, of blessing in having God's word so easy access to, it, to us. But every day, day after day, we can go without reading. We can overlook it. And, and we maybe lots of days don't even think about God's word. It doesn't really cross our mind. Maybe we spend time praying, but we don't really think about how it is as he's speaking into our lives. And, and I want to ask us, like, have we given much attention to what he's said about himself, about how he works, about how he's designed us to live? Because this is, this is what that is. God is teaching us, showing us who he is. He's showing us who we are, showing us how we ought to live, showing us how the, wor- the world works and what wisdom looks like. And if we want God to guide us, this is where he's going to do it. This is how he's going to do it. We want him to guide us. The word of God that he's given to us is the key. You know, Psalm 119, 105, a verse that you may have heard before. It says, your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light to my path. The picture there is, a, is of walking in darkness, but God's word gives light for the next step. And I feel that because this world that we walk around in, there's a lot of darkness. And we walk through a lot of dark times ourselves, difficult seasons. And we need God's word and that the word sort of illumines the next step for us. And God guides us with it. You know, we've talked about Jesus being the good shepherd in this series, about how he's the one who laid down his life for the sheep. Jesus is the good shepherd, the one that David is talking about. The Lord is my shepherd, this Yahweh, that is Jesus. Jesus is the good shepherd. And so when we talked about Jesus laying down his life for the sheep, about him even calling himself the good shepherd, that comes from John chapter 10. Also in John chapter 10, Jesus says these things to say. So John chapter 10 Uh, most of three, all the way through five, and then verse 27. He says these things. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. And then he said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. He said, when when I speak, my sheep will follow. How has he spoken? How has he spoken to us? Where are his words recorded for us? Through what is it that he still speaks to us? This. When I speak, my sheep follow my voice. He has spoken here. This is his word to us. Hear the words of Hebrews 4.12. It says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the vision of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and of discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. He said the word This word is alive. It's living, it's active. And you know, Jesus is actually called the word of God in John chapter one. 
And so when we open up the word, in some way, this is God communicating himself to us. God himself is being communicated in these words, these revealed words of Scripture. And I think one of the most comforting things for me is that the word, uh, is that the word isn't given to me, and then I'm just expected to get it, take it in, and then do something with it, or fix myself with what it says. Instead, I'm actually, uh, I'm not left on my own to figure it all out. He's the one who's going to lead me with his spirit. So when I open his word, it's not just like a, hey, fix yourself book. It's rather a, I'm alive and working in it, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach it to you. And how is he going to do that? With his spirit. So he leads us with his word, but he leads us with his word by the spirit. So that's another thing for us to think, how does God lead us? He leads us with his spirit. Check out what Jesus said, John 16, 13 and 14. Right before he's about to go to the cross, he's telling his disciples this. He says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he'll not speak to you on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he'll speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit that comes to take up residence in us when we put our faith in Jesus is called the spirit of truth. He says, he says Jesus is telling us that that spirit is going to guide us into all truth. That he's going to take what comes from God and he's going to apply it to our hearts. In the Old Testament, in this prophecy in Jeremiah 31, God said that he would write his law on his people's hearts. I'm going to give them a new heart. I'm going to write my law on their heart. And that's what he does through the Spirit. The Spirit comes to reveal God's word to us, to help us to understand God's word. And he does this in in kind of mysterious ways even sometimes, that as we're reading God's word, we just suddenly understand something we didn't hear before. Uh, Or suddenly understand something we didn't get the last time we read that scripture. And the Spirit takes the word of God and he, he shapes us with it. And it's really simply a matter of us submitting ourselves to that work. It's just a matter of us saying, I'm going to allow him to work. I'm going to get in the word. I'm going to pay attention to the word when it's preached. I'm going to be thinking about the word. I'm going to trust that the spirit is actually going to use it and work in my heart. You know, I think our hearts need to echo what the psalmist says in Psalm 143.10, where he says, teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. And I think we need to ask the question, do I really want to be led? Do I feel that need to be led? Or have I still not given into that, that thing that I intuitively know that I was made to be led? Am I willing to give into that? If I would be led, then he will lead me. If I would be led, he will lead me. He will work in our hearts, not only to want the word more, but to get more out of it as we spend time in it. He'll work in our consciences and, and convict us of sin in our lives and show us ways that we can obey through the word. You know, and, and maybe even in some ways that, that we were aloof to before. The Holy Spirit's going to do that kind of work in our lives, but mostly through the Word, through the truth that's communicated in it. There are a few other ways that He may lead us that I, that I do want to mention briefly. I think sometimes He leads us by way of discipline. And this one can be a little bit misunderstood, because I think there's two things that we might call as discipline. One is correction by way of consequences. And another is like direction by way of circumstances. Many times our sin brings consequences into our lives and God works through those consequences and our repentance to sanctify us. He works through those things in us and God doesn't always shield us from what's coming to us because of our sin. But what he does do is he gently walks through us, uh, through that with us 
and he gently corrects us and helps us to teach, teach us and uh, show us how to walk in righteousness in the aftermath of our failures. He does that. And the process isn't always fun, but it's always something that we need. That he's working through us with. But there are also other times where he leads us through difficult circumstances in order to produce something in us that wouldn't be produced otherwise. For no reason other than his own purposes, right? Not anything that you brought on yourself uh, or, you know, as a consequence of your sin. There are things that you will face that you'll just deal with that are hard, and it has nothing to do with your own sin in your life that brought it on you. I don't want you to think that every time something bad happens, it's like, okay, God's disciplining me for something bad I did. That's That's not the case. And I know that's a real temptation. I've heard people talk through that. My sister herself would be one who says, yeah, I used to think that way. Praise the Lord, by God's grace, she understands the truth now on this side of things. But listen, sometimes he allows us to face circumstances that are not the result of anything that we've done. Disappointment and brokenness, grief, pain, even physical pain. The list could go on, but, you know, we, we throw stuff like that in the category of discipline. Maybe we can get the wrong idea. God doesn't punish us by making us go through those things. Rather, he is using those to shape us and lead us in paths of righteousness. Because sometimes the paths of righteousness go right through dark times. Next week, we're going to talk about, actually two weeks from now, we're going to talk about uh, walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And we're going to talk more about how God's paths of righteousness sometimes lead us through those difficult things, but it's worth mentioning tonight that sometimes God's guidance takes us through difficulties. And sometimes God's guidance takes us through a difficulty we might call like a closed door. You want something. You know it's not a bad thing that you want. You go pursue that thing, and yet the circumstances, whatever, cause that, that thing to be shut off. God closes a door. And sometimes I counsel people just to walk in faith and and just make decisions in faith. And if God doesn't want you to go wherever it is that you decided to go or to get into that relationship that you decided to get into a relationship, you know, even after you prayed about it and all those things and you feel like, hey, it's still a good idea for me to go into this or pursue this, sometimes God will just close the door because that's not what he wants for you. And that's not a bad thing. If God closes the door, that just means he is guiding you toward what he really wants for you. And so I think another way he leads us is through his people. You know, you may have heard Proverbs 13, 20. It says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Sometimes we talk about that verse in relation to, like, choosing your friends wisely. Make sure you know who you're hanging out with is going to influence you well. But I also think kind of a side point of that verse is to say that, you know, if you walk with wise people, they're going to be able to pass wisdom on into your life. They're going to help guide you when you need it. You know, I bring it up here to say that often wisdom comes through other people. Often God's wisdom for you comes through other people. And that's one benefit of being part of a church, a body of believers with other people who have had different experiences than you, who have gone through something before you've gone through it, and can pass wisdom on to you to help you walk through whatever circumstances you're facing. Because it's often through conversations with other believers that God is going to share his truth and the truths of his word and bring clarity into your life. And so he guides us through all these means, and I've spent a lot of time answering that first question about how he guides us. And a lot of you in here are, are probably like, you know what, I don't really care so much about that. I care more about the question about where he's going to lead me and how I know where he's going to lead me. But let me ask you this first. Why do you want to know where he's leading you? Why do you want to know where he's leading you? Do you want to know God's will for your life so that you can do his will? 
or you just want to know for you? I just want to know so that I won't be surprised. I won't be caught off guard. You know, do I love him and want to walk with him, or do I just want to know what my future looks like? So what is our motivation? And we're just going to keep that that question in the back of our head as we answer this question. Where does he lead me? It says he leads us, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, right? So it says paths of righteousness. The word used for paths means something like well-worn or established, an established path, something that's well-worn. And so what we're doing here, we're not talking about uncharted territory that we're walking in. Paths of righteousness for us is sometimes in our mind, it's going to look like uncharted territory, but I promise you to God, he knows very well where he's taking you. The paths are well-worn. He knows exactly what he's doing. And so to us sometimes, as the sheep in this scenario, we may not look down and be able to see the path that he's taking on us, uh, taking us on. We don't, may not know where that leads, but he does. He knows the path very well. He's walked it with others before. He's walked it himself because he came to be one of us, right? And he lived a sinless life. He knows what it's like to walk in paths of righteousness himself. And so he leads us exactly where he knows he's going, right? He knows exactly what he's doing as he leads, and he knows exactly what he's working to accomplish in us as he leads us. He knows exactly where he's going. And this goes hand in hand with this amazing truth that we read in Ephesians 2.10. Here, write that one down. It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It's amazing to think of God having designed a unique a unique life for each one of us who are his followers. A, a unique life and unique uh, good works that we might walk in them. He's designed each one of us uniquely and has plans for your life. That's an amazing truth. But it's also an amazing truth when you read that, because you read, for we are his workmanship. I think sometimes we read that and we go, I am his workmanship. And we make it about us. Like, I'm his work- I have all these great things that God is going to do. I just want to figure out what those things are, and I'm going to go walk in those. No, he says, we are. I do think he has an individual plan for us, but I also think he's working a masterpiece of a plan with all of us together. That we as believers are all walking together in following Christ, and he's fulfilling his plans and purposes in each one of us individually, but also each of us together, so that at the end of all things, there will be a masterpiece on the table. That's an amazing thing, that God is that intentional with us, both individually but as a whole. I think the problem for us, though, is that we don't know everything God knows. He knows what he's doing. He knows where he's leading us. He knows what he's accomplishing through all the things he's allowing in our life. He knows what he's accomplishing through those consequences for the sin that's in our life. He knows exactly what he's doing. He knows what he's doing in, in all the blessings that he's given us in life. The problem for us is that we don't know all that he's doing. And it's great that God knows what he's doing, but we wish he would let us in on some of that. What if we could pull back the need to know? What if we just pull back on that a little bit? That, that sense of, I need to know. What if our need to know isn't actually what we need? We think we need to know. What if that's not actually what we need? Think about this. It says, he leads me in paths of righteousness. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Not, he shows me all the paths of righteousness. I kind of think if we want to know where God is leading us, we're going to have to just follow him as he leads. 
If I'm a sheep and I want to stay on the path that the shepherd is leading me on, that's going to look like keeping my eyes on the shepherd, not on the path, right? My eyes on the shepherd and staying close enough to him to make sure that I stay in step with him wherever he goes, wherever he's leading me. And so here's, here's a point that I, I wanted to have on the screen. Okay, it says, the best, the best way to know you're being led by him in paths of righteousness is to stay close to him. The best way to know you're being led, to him, uh, led by him in paths of righteousness is to stay close to him, walking with him daily. If you walk with him daily, you will not miss where he's leading you. We have that question sometimes in the back of our heads, like, how am I going to know God's will for my life? How am I going to know what I'm supposed to do with my life, what job I'm supposed to have, you know, where I'm supposed to live, who I'm supposed to marry? we got all these questions in the back of our heads. If you walk with him daily, you will not miss the path that he has for you. The amazing thing is that even if you do lose sight of him for a while, he doesn't lose track of you. He's a good shepherd. He knows how to track you down. And last week, we just talked about how he restores our soul, that he is good at that, that that is something that the shepherd does. He restores our soul and is good at restoring us and bringing us back and, and leading us on this path. He's got every intention of finishing what he started in us. If he called you to follow him, he's going to keep you following him. And so we walk with him, right? We talked last week about Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, where Jesus said, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I'll give you rest. That's not all he said. 29 and 30, say, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and lowly in heart. You'll find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You'll find rest for your souls. And that's something we talked about last week too, finding rest for our souls in the shepherd. But rest for our souls does not exclude walking with a yoke upon you. But the yoke, in this case, in Matthew 11, verse 30, is a yoke that you are carrying alongside Christ. Is what he has for you to walk in, but he's not just putting it on you and saying, good luck. Say, walk with me in this. Stay with me in this, so that you carry no cross that he's not already carried. And you carry no burden that he is not simultaneously bearing up alongside you, so that you do not actually hold all the weight. He is the one who holds the weight. He carried the cross for us. He carried our burdens for us. He carries them with us right now as we walk this life. And so he's walked this path before with other people. He's walked this path himself. Hebrews 4.15 says, We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. To walk in righteousness is not a burden too heavy for us to bear because it's not too heavy for Christ to bear. He's already done that, and so he knows how to walk in it. And if we'll stay close to the shepherd, we do not have to worry about which path is the path because he knows the way and he's the one leading. You know, when you're a kid and you uh, went on a road trip with your family, did you know how to get where you were going? No. You also didn't know what the place was like probably half the time that you were going. You'd ask, are we there yet? Questions like that. Thing is, you were just along for the ride in that scenario. You went wherever your parents took you, right? In this case, Christ is the one who knows the path. He knows the, he knows the way, and he is the one that is guiding all these things, and we just follow with him. If we would just go as he goes. So how do I know the will of God? Here's the will of God for you. It's that you walk with him, that you obey his word, that he's guiding us by. It's 
to be holy as he is holy, to love others as ourselves, to be his witnesses. That is his plan for us. That's his will for us. And he'll lead, he'll lead us away from paths that he doesn't want us on if we try to go in that direction. If we keep our eyes on the shepherd, he will keep us on the path that he wants us walking down. And I think sometimes I have the wrong idea about things. I'll admit that sometimes I just want him, like I said, to show me the paths of righteousness to walk in. Sometimes when I pray that prayer, Father, lead me in paths of righteousness, what I'm really praying is, will you just tell me what you want me to do today, and then I'll go do it. What if instead I just fixed my eyes on him, so much so that I naturally follow him in the paths that he's leading me in throughout the day? Not worrying about what those paths are, just following closely enough and responding faithfully as the day goes, that no matter what the day holds, I'm walking in the paths of righteousness that he wants for me. And that isn't to say that we should just sit around and wait on God to tell us what to do. I think sometimes we have that mindset, I'm just going to wait. I'm just going to wait on God to tell me something, to make it really clear to me what he wants me to do. I want you to know it's okay to have a plan for your day. It's okay to have your plan for your week or your month or your year or your 10 years. It's okay to have a plan, but we need to hold those things loosely Because we need to know that if we're clinging to Christ closely, he may end up showing us another way that is not the plan that we had for ourselves. You can make a plan. Say, okay, this is the way I want to go throughout this day. These are the things I got to do. This is what my week is going to look like, my month, my year, my semester. Here's what I want my life to look like in 10 years. Here's my plans, my goals, all this stuff. We need to be like this with that. Because he may show us something else. And if that be the case, we need to leave behind our plans, the paths that we might think for ourselves, and follow whatever path he has for us. There might be an opportunity to obey that we weren't anticipating. And we need to walk wherever he leads. And he may may just flat out say no to some of the plans that we make. You may make some plans, have some goals, have some things that you want for your life, and he may just say no to that. And that needs to be okay with us because he's the shepherd. And he knows what he's doing. He knows where we're headed in a way that I don't. He knows where I'm headed in a way that I don't. He knows what's coming tomorrow in a way that I don't. So I want to stay close to the shepherd. So yeah, plan, prepare for things, but keep it all in open hands and with a greater focus on the shepherd than the plan itself. If your focus is on your plan more than it's on the shepherd, then you have an idol in your life. You're worshiping a false god. So again, it's not wrong to have plans. But man, if if your eyes are on the plans more than they're on the shepherd, then you may need to repent. And I'm preaching to myself with that one. You might find that in growing to love the shepherd, the plans that you had fall away. You don't even desire them as much anymore because you've grown to love the shepherd and grown to love what he loves and he has different plans for you and you grow to love those plans more than the plans you had before. And so... You know, that is the whole, where does he lead me? I'm going to wrap this up with, why does he lead me? Here's where we come back to the motivation thing. For whose name's sake? For his name's sake, not ours. Our paths of righteousness are not for our own glory. We can unfortunately drift into viewing our faith as a way to become a better person, a better version of ourselves. We may have an idea of ourselves that we want to be, and we sort of let this sort of spiritual way of doing things, I go to church, I'm, I'm involved with these things, I read my Bible, I'm trying to do all these things right. 
but really it becomes about our own reputation or it becomes about us, something that is self-centered. We can get busy working on self-improvement, but what if we actually believed the gospel and we believed that we couldn't fix ourselves? We believed that Jesus Christ had to come and be for us and do for us what we could not be and do for ourselves. What if we really believe that and we really believe that he actually did that and that when we put our faith in him, we have everything that we need in him? Because if we really believe that, if I have everything I need in him, and this is not about me, it's about him. It's what he's done for me, and I'm, I'm only responding to what he has done now. If we really believe that, and we knew that Jesus was everything for us, then we'd walk in paths of righteousness that he wants for us out of a love for him and not a love for our own reputation or for our own selves. Rather than try to live in paths of righteousness out of what is really a love for ourselves with spiritual overtones, instead we say, I'm going to live for him and love him. And truth be told, if it's not for his name's sake that we do what is right, it's not true righteousness anyways. If you don't practice your righteousness for him, for his name's sake, you're undercutting the very righteousness you claim that you want to live out because we're not God. We make it about ourselves and we fall far short of what we were made for. And if you've been doing a lot of things with the wrong, a lot of right things with the wrong motivation, it may be a need for you to repent tonight. Because the thing is, too, if you're doing it for you, there's always going to be diminished returns, satisfaction-wise, joy-wise, fulfillment-wise. You can do all the right things. If you're doing it with the wrong motivation, you will not get near as much out of it as if you were doing it with the right motivation. It'll fall far short of even what you want. Reputation managing is not fun. Some of you have been there. You're like, I know exactly what it's like to try to manage my reputation, make sure everybody's thinking the right things about me, try to do some damage control on some other things that I did. It's anxiety-inducing to try to reputation manage. It doesn't help you love God or others more. And honestly, focusing on yourself isn't even a good way to love yourself. Because when you focus inward, you're not doing what you were made to do. You miss out on so much. There's so much more joy in self-forgetfulness. But if you truly follow his lead and into paths of righteousness for his name's sake, he's going to be in it, and he's got every intention of leading you well for his name's sake. He's invested in that. He's invested in you for his own glory's sake. Consider again who we're talking about. The only name that's been mentioned in this whole book, okay, in this whole psalm that we've been reading is the name of Yahweh. The Lord is my shepherd. That's the name. He's the one, the great I am, the one who is before all things and in, the one in whom all things hold together. That's who all this is for not us. And he can do more through you than you can do by yourself. And he will. It's actually a comfort to me to know that he has vested interest in, in me and leading me well because of his own glory. Like that makes me feel better about everything. Makes me feel better about walking in, in paths of righteousness because I know that he is not leaving me in these paths of righteousness. He's making sure that we accomplish what he wants to accomplish in me. So we want to fix our eyes on the shepherd. We want to walk with him. We want to put our gaze and attention and focus on him and walk closely with him because if we will do that, we will not miss what he wants for our lives.